This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for this lovely chamomile tea you provided for my throat. <laughs> sorry, I didn't have my headphones Oh, on sorry. I wanted to thank you for this chamomile tea. It's oh, really been it, very helpful. It, you know, chamomile tea is great for sore throats. It is, it, it's it is. A, it's a natural anti-inflammatory. It certainly is. And, and not that I would ever choose chamomile tea over something like Tylenol, but it does, you know, it well, helps. Well, you are a knitter. <laughs> I, I used to be a knitter. A I, I'm sure knitter. I still can. A it's just, it's just been so long. And then, you know, you graduate, you go into college and then suddenly it's like, oh, I got to start doing like actual things now. And Right. Did anyone of- ever make fun of you for knitting? No. Mm, that's nice. They no. probably all wanted the toques though. Well, right. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like who doesn't want like a hand knit mm-hmm. toque? Because hand knit toques are so nice. Toque and tea. That's a new little gift for Christmas, I think, I've just created. Toque and tea. Momo's toque and tea. It's you do ve- the toque. Very Canada. Very Canada. So Canadian, isn't it? That is very Canada. You could you could probably do pretty good with I that. I could market that, absolutely. <laughs> Send your orders to nursetalkathotmail.com. Yes, let's make some money we'll at this try gig. And, we'll, try and, uh, we'll try and get that done. <laughs> exactly. But if you do want to talk to me, <clears throat> you'll do all the talking for once. The number to call is one 877 That's one 877 I want to talk a little bit about, I've had a, uh, I tell you this, I know I've told you this before. I had a rash of, uh, I have these clinical trends that occur in my clinical practice. And lately I've been seeing a lot of men. A lot of men have been presenting to my clinical practice and they all have the same issue at the core. However, uh, the reasons for it are very different. One guy, I actually had to say, <laughs> I would be exhausted. Like, I don't tire easily, but I would be exhausted <laughs> living with you. Anyway, um, we have a few laughs as well. But they're in sexless marriages and they're angry about it. They're annoyed about it, but they don't know how to talk to their partners about it. And in fact, one fellow who came in, he's, he told me some of, some of the issues, you know, some things that contributed to it. And um, one of those things was that his children were in the bed. And so his children in the bed, and I said, uh, I said, well, you know, that's part of it. That was part of it. That wasn't the whole story. And, um, and so he said to me, which was another piece of the story, because this is the control piece of him. And I always say to people, look at the proverbial mirror, mirror and how do you contribute to the sex, your sexless marriage? Because everyone wants to blame the other. But this guy said, don't say to my wife, if she comes in here, and that's another problem, the wife isn't in there. If she comes in here to see you, don't say, you got to get our twins out of the bed. Because no, no, she's not going to have that. Anyway, so there were lo- there's often lots of issues, but... Guys sometimes can't express their feelings, and therefore they express their feelings through anger, much like Alec Baldwin did this week when he punched somebody who took his parking space in Greenwich Village, in his apartment building in Greenwich Village. This is not the first time Alec Baldwin has punched the paparazzi or, or somebody else, and he's, he was arrested um, for that. So you you got to wonder, what belies the anger? You know, what, what is it that, is it the, is it the fact that guys, and guys help me out here. Hi. 
<laughs> Andrew, ready, ready and willing and able. Always. Uh, <laughs> what's the story with feelings? Expression of feelings. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I grew up at the, not, I don't want to say the beginning, but at the kind of impetus of the whole kind of push to, to teach men how to, you know, have emotions and learn how to deal with that. So a lot of the people who are older than me a little bit are still kind of stuck in that old, you know, gotta hold it in, gotta. You know, I hear about a lot of young guys that punch mm-hmm. the walls mm-hmm. that, you know, in their 20s, they're punching holes in walls. Yep. They're getting severely. I heard of this one situation, um, a bride and a groom. I'm always, uh, mm-hmm. I, I am always concerned about brides and grooms. <laughs> and in this situation, the bride was upset because the groom was getting really angry and really, you know, was, was verbally abusive and was getting angry before the wedding. And she went to her mother and told her mother and her mother said, that's normal. And you know what? Public service announcement. That's not normal. That's a red flag. That's a big red flag. That's a huge red flag. But you know what? They put a ton of money into the wedding typically, although that's taking a, they were having pop-up weddings now. So it looks like that trend is changing. Mm Um, but you know, oftentimes people think, what are we going to tell the aunties and uncles, you know, that you're not getting married. We can't do that. Um, just, just put up with it. It'll get better after the, after the marriage. No, it typically gets worse. And there's typically a history there as is the case with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. And like you said, it's a lot of, a lot of what's been happening and like this attempted change and it's been, it's been linked into November. Now we were talking about this during a break. It certainly like, has been. November is now more than just, you know, prostate cancer, which is still, you know, a, a giant a giant issue. But it's also about ensuring that men understand that mental health isn't just something that only women have to deal with. Right. And it's about raising awareness for mental health and death by suicide in, in men as well. Yeah. And, and, like, the anger issues that, you know, stem from that, it, it's a societal upbringing, right? Men are expected to hold it in because they're expected, you know, to be, you know, the rock, right? The stoic figure. And life isn't so easy that you can always be the rock and the stoic figure. That's exactly right. And men are taught not to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, where women cry, and often that is anger in women, is <laughs> when women cry. Um, you know, it's... I see so much, you know, I I have a lot of men too that present to my office and they tell me how they treat their wives and what they say to their wives. And you'd think that, that they wouldn't tell anybody and it's horrible. The name calling, I have zero tolerance for name calling, for screaming at somebody else, for putting somebody down, denigrating somebody, degrading somebody, humiliating somebody. And they're doing this in front of their children. And they think the world of their children, and they blame all of their troubles on their wives, and yet they are damaging their children, and they don't realize that. What example are you showing, right? That's another thing that, that needs to be thought of there. Like, if, it, if your kids are old enough to start being able to learn these lessons, are, what are you showing them? What are you teaching them? Children learn what they live, you know, and, and sometimes they go the exact same way. I was talking to a, a colleague this week and he was you know he's really followed the exact path of his father is in terms of the age he got married having children later in life um the age of his wife uh you know it was it was pretty much mirrored that of his of his dad yet there were things about his dad that he didn't care for at all and it was mainly in terms of how 
he treated his mother and how he treated other women, because <laughs> there were other women involved mm-hmm. <laughs> here. Um, you know, and but you know, the other thing is, I think men have a lot of resentment that is built up, and and that's where the problem comes from or stems from is that they're not they they build it up they it develops in their head it multiplies in their head it ruminates in their head it becomes worse and worse and worse than it actually really is and if they then just well if they had spoken at the in the early stages of being upset with somebody whether it be their father or their mother or their sibling or their wife or whomever friend colleague just talked about it say what you mean mean what you say don't say it mean then it may not have grown into such a toxic situation and and growing up too a lot of a lot of that is is well i'm not going to say is on purposely but it's drilled into your head like don't be a whiner you know don't complain about it you know be a man man exactly just deal with it yes and that kind of reinforcement especially if you're a kid i remember when i was in in high school and in, in middle school and elementary school like that was all there Right. If you were a guy and you were seen going to the counselor's office, it was like, ooh. But if, you know, if a group of girls supporting their friend went to the counselor's office, it was like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Right. But a group of guys doing that and you get sneered at. Yes, exactly. And that's where the change needs to start. Right. I think the other thing what I've seen in my clinical practice is this uh, how men actually feel about themselves versus what they portray to the world. And the wider that gap the more trouble they have in their relationships and in their life, basically mm-hmm. with their jobs, with their families. And I do want to say one thing I love about Movember is that they are um, suggesting that men commit to walking or running, we were talking about serotonin levels, 60 miles over the month. That's 60 miles for the 60 men we lose to suicide each hour. I think that's very powerful, and I think um, it not only will it help with your mental health, but it will help you to remember those people who went before you and were not so lucky and uh, lived with uh, such um, a tragic life, especially if it's due to the stigma of mental illness. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath checking in with you. Thank you so much for being here with me This evening, I'm very excited about my next segment. Um, It's about an app that was developed by David Kaufman, who is the CEO of I'm Up. And I have David on the line. The app is called I'm Up, and it gives independence with a sense of security. Also on the line is his project manager, who is uh, his project manager is also on the line. And that is Deepak Jaya Krishnan. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening. How are you? Thank you so much for having us. Oh, my pleasure. Great great job of pronouncing Deepak's name. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, great app that you uh, have developed, David, and uh, that you're project managing, Deepak. Uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about um, the app, how it was developed, where it was developed, what's the importance of it, and how can it change people's lives, especially um, for those who are caring for seniors? Well, the short story, it was developed because I almost killed myself. There you my, go. In my house, I had a bad, I had a bad accident. My, uh, my wife left our home 2012. She had Alzheimer's. She ultimately passed September 2016. 
But I elected to stay in a home with stairs everywhere. And the, the short story is I had an accident last August that I think a 20-year-old could have had. But uh, I had the accident, and I don't know if you looked at the website. I'm sure you did. I have. You saw, a, a, yeah, you saw pictures of a couple of good-looking black and white border collies. I did. Boomer I sure did. Yeah, there they are. Yeah, boom. Yeah, but, but anyway, uh, when I had that accident, I ran my head through a wall and almost hit a two before, which could have killed me. I realized the next day that if that had killed me or, or seriously hurt me, where I couldn't move around or whatever, that I could have been in serious trouble and those dogs would have been in serious trouble. Now, some of my friends kind of laugh at me about that, but that's they're very important to me. When Paula left my home, I mean, those those guys are always glad when I walk through that door. And uh, the situation is, I mean, I've got friends like everybody, but I was never going to ask my next-door neighbor to knock my door every day and make sure my dogs are out. I was never going to ask my good friends, Bob and Dan and Deepak and everybody else, to call me at 7 a.m. and make sure those dogs are out. I have four children, four wonderful children that are professionals, Dr lawyer, businessman, uh, account executive uh, with a big uh, non-profit. But in any event, they're busy. They're busy professionals. And I assure you, they're not going to call me every day. So I thought, well, there ought to be a way. The short story is uh, Deepak and Dan and I and a few other guys, we drink beer in a place called Skinny Slim's Bricktown, Oklahoma City. <laughs> and the short story, the short story is, I was doing this funny routine about, I think boomers are going to eat my face, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, David, that's just a nap. You know, what you're talking about is just a nap. And so now we have this thing called I'm Up, which is a connectivity app. It helps people stay connected. It helps busy, busy, let's say Gen Xers uh, stay in contact with their 70-something-year-old parents or parent. And um, I hope that's making sense to everybody. That is, how does it work exactly? Okay. Uh, Deepak, why don't you take over the, the protocol with the green button, red button, and all that? Oh, okay. Thank you. It's a very simple application. So only Midcat is ease of use for people who are living alone. Mm-hmm. This could be anybody of any age group. So all we wanted on the application was that they log in and they set themselves a check-in time. Along with the check-in time, they set up an emergency contact. So the moment they enter the application, all they're going to see is one big red button. The moment they touch the red button, it turns green, and the emergency contact gets notified that this person is up and okay. Okay. But if the person doesn't check into the phone on time, on our premium versions, what happens is that the emergency contact gets notified, but gets notified to call the person and remind them to check into the application. Uh-huh. So there is a 40-minute escalation process where there are different notifications. There are three notifications that are sent to the user itself on their phones, and the emergency contact gets a text message asking them to remind the user to check into the phone. If they don't do any of this, then we call the user, and we try to figure out if the user is okay. If the user is not, we reach out to the local emergency services and ask for a wellness check for the user. That way, we just make sure it's it's just a app to make sure that the person's all right too. It's really a peace of mind app, isn't it? It is. Eh? That's the most uh, the most the best way of describing it, to be honest. Eh? 
and it and it or keeps in you. One of the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. you go ahead. One of the. I was just I was just going to say uh, a couple of doctors here in Norman, a little town south of Oklahoma City, they pointed out to me that what we really have is a very inexpensive cognitive functioning app. And what I mean by that is go back to the red button that we want to turn green. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, mom or dad, mom or dad pushes it Monday. They push it Tuesday. They forget Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Well, that's blowing up the kid's phone. You know, a daughter in L.A., a son in New York City. And they're calling, you know, Dad, what's going on? Well, I just forgot. But what's really going on, you know, uh, those kids are talking amongst themselves, hey, is it time to get on a plane a plane, and find a place for Mom or Dad? Uh-huh. And that's, that's, what he, that's what he meant by a very inexpensive cognitive functioning application. Absolutely. Yes, it certainly will provide a lot of data, I'm sure, in terms of um, and and even whether uh, that person in the home who's, you know, the parent who is being worried about by their their children or siblings or whomever, um, you know, maybe they need some additional care in the home, um, you know, to come in and and maybe prep some meals or or bathe them or or get them up in the morning. Maybe, you know, the, the the children would learn that the parent is having difficulty getting out of bed through this app. Well, I'm uh, I'm working partnered with a very large care grid giving company that just advertises all over TV. But we partnered up to do our talks together, and the situation there is most people can't afford them twenty four seven. They can only afford them for three or four hours at a time. That's right. Well, with this app, with this application, that same company can maybe charge a fee to the client to be listed as the emergency contact. Uh-huh. And, and whoever whoever they have on duty, when that phone blows up, they're, they're getting the text message. That's right. And, uh, but, but, you know, and the last thing I would want to say here, one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life, my guitar teacher, instructor, my lead guitarist uh, for this blues band that we have at Skinny Slims, where we're trying to be the house band. <laughs> <laughs> but but in any of yeah and no, no no plug there no but but he said what you he said David what you really have is a relationship app and he said I want to I want you to think about this whoever you put in there as the emergency contact you have asked them to be your emergency contact because you care about them whoever right. has said I will be your emergency contact they care about you or they wouldn't take on the job now the thing that I've learned the last three months with the uh, me and my my buddy Dan, he's my emergency contact. Seven thirty a.m. every morning, I touch that button. It goes green, and he almost instantly sends me a meme. He, he loves the funny memes, and he'll say good morning, sir, and I'll say good morning to him. Well, my point is, is we think about each other every day. So we now sure we have more lunches. We we we, sh- we sure do. We're, we're we're heading to the break. I'm sorry, I hate to cut you off. Um, but, but I'm up now (laughs) and, and that's the app. I'm up David Kaufman. Thank you for developing this. I think it has a wide application. Deepak Krishnan, very happy to have the two of you. And we'll definitely have you back again to hear how this is progressing. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday night health show on the chorus radio network. Welcome back to the Sunday night health show. Maureen McGrath, who happens to be a little sick registered nurse is Hosting the program for you. I am also a nurse continence advisor, sexual health educator, 
We're going to be talking about sex a little bit later on in the program. Why we're not having it anymore. What's, what's up with that? Or what isn't up with that? Even with so many Dr. Phil's out there. Taldenafil, Sidenafil. <laughs> uh, we're still not having it that much. And that's a problem. And I see that all the time in my clinical practice. And lately, a whole bunch of guys have been coming in. And, uh, you know, they get a little scare. And they realize that they have to do something to save their marriage. And they realize they want to stay in their marriage, maybe after a little indiscretion. Uh, they often ask, should I, should I tell my wife? Anyway, mostly telling somebody is a panacea for you, the one who's had the indiscretion. But nonetheless, every situation is different. We're also going to be talking about, and I don't like this term one bit, mommy juice. It doesn't send a good message to your children, and I'll be talking a little bit about that very shortly. Also, Historical Tours of Calgary. Art Proctor joins me in a little bit to talk about uh, showing the sights of Calgary and why it's important to get in touch, not only with yourself, but your city. And with the midterms coming up, how do Republicans' fantasies differ from the Democrats'? If you want to call me, have any questions at all, the number to call is one 399 9898 1-877-399-9898. I'm also going to read your emails. And you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. And I have an email to read to you shortly. But I first want to start with, um, you know, Canada is raising the flag on an alcohol problem, one that we are ignoring. And the chief public health officer has put out a a warning that recent numbers show alcohol abuse among women is on the rise, and in large part because of the stress of parenting. So mommy juice has become popular on Facebook. And it's kind of whatever recipe you concoct at that hour of the day. Four o'clock is typically the cocktail hour um, because the kids are home from school perhaps or the day has been long um, you're stressed a mom doesn't necessarily know how to manage stress um, but this can be a very critical situation for families and there are a number of health concerns that are linked to problematic alcohol consumption. We typically think that it's men who do all the drinking. But women actually want to try and keep up with men in the drinking, uh, in the bars. (laughs) That's one thing. But you wouldn't want to, um, you know, eat as much as your husband ate or, or as much as your father or some other man in your life. Um, so why is it that we try and, uh, tag team with men. We need to denormalize alcohol in Canada. Uh, 80% of Canadians consume alcohol. And the rising rates in women tell us that we ignore alcohol consumption. And women are drinking more than they ever did before, even in the 60s when they had the time of the Valley of the Dolls and um, the martini... uh, cocktails and when everybody was basically smoking and and drinking. (laughs) They're drinking more now. You know, I was 
uh, on a vacation one time, and uh, one of the young boys picked up his mother's water bottle, and it was about to, we were all off to the beach, and he went to take a sip of water out of his mother's water bottle, and it was vodka on ice. That was a bit of a surprise for ten o'clock in the morning, um, but it demonstrates that even a day at the beach requires consumption of alcohol for the entire day. But this whole mommy juice thing, uh, and how do you feel about drinking as a mom? How, how about drinking and play dates? Um, you send your child over for a play date. You might go. The two of you might have a few drinks together, you and the other mom, and then driving back, driving home. Uh, maybe putting your children or somebody else's children at risk. I There Certainly in the neighborhood, there certainly has been warnings about other moms who you do not want to have your children in their car because they may have a problem with alcohol. A lot of the alcohol industry has put out drinks that are flavorful, that uh, taste don't taste like alcohol, so they go down a whole lot easier. They're a lot more palatable. There's an association of breast cancer with alcohol consumption. There's an association with mental illness, depression, anxiety. It's like fuel for a fire. It's, it's the gasoline for a fire that is burning underneath, in a part because we have such a stigma around mental illness, anxiety, depression, dealing with kids, dealing with multitasking, having a lot of demands on us, working inside and outside of the home, making sure everything is perfect, making sure everything looks great. If you have a, if you have, are living with somebody who might be challenging, whether it be a child or a partner or a parent, um, you know, it's a, the initial feeling uh, after a glass or three of wine is a lot faster then heading off to the gym and pumping iron or getting on that treadmill or, or going for a hike, that takes a lot more work. It's just easy to down that, that wine or that Cosmo or whatever it is your, that is your flavor of the day. And, you know, if you have a history of addiction in your family or if you have an addictive personality, you're at greater risk for becoming, having a problem with alcohol or having a problem with uh, alcohol consumption. And many... Women will develop a full-blown addiction to alcohol. And, you know, I see a number of people in my clinical practice, and they will tell me about the addiction of their children and how they've tried to deal with it. They've had um, uh, interventions. They've had people come into their home to try to deal with it. A lot of these people can afford all of the treatment that is available out there, and they spend tens of thousands of dollars on uh, this uh, issue, the addiction of their children, without ever addressing their own addiction. And, you know, they, they don't view alcohol consumption as an addiction. Yet, you know, daily drinking, issues in relationships, broken marriages, problems with exes, problems with jobs, problems with anger, those are all signs that you may have an alcohol addiction. And and so it's something that women seriously need to uh, be aware of because drinking is on the rise for for women. 
Um, and there was a young girl, a 14-year-old girl, died after she reportedly consumed an 11.9% alcohol malt liquor drink called FCKD Up on her school lunch break. So we really have to look at the advertisers and, and you know, really suggest tailoring message, messaging. Um, you know, there's a, some of the ads have borrowed the messaging from the women's lib movement around equality, and they've been targeting women since the 1990s. But, and that has worked. There's so many more juice-type drinks uh, for women to drink, and there's a lot more stress in our lives today. And so the link between alcohol consumption and a desire to reduce your stress is certainly the carry-on of this problem. On television, we see you know, cougars consuming, <laughs> consuming alcohol. I, I thought of a story um, the, the, other, the other day. Anyway, um, that lots of people drinking, an issue occurs, and it's fueled because the alcohol. And, and so it's, be, it's blown, out, blown up completely out of proportion. It happened at a friend's birthday party. And, you know, somebody got offended and somebody didn't, you know, had had a few drinks and didn't think that they'd offended the other person and they had. And then, I mean, it broke down fairly rapidly. And I think the alcohol had fused, fueled the issue. And you may see that in your uh, home and in your life. But we need to understand why women are consuming alcohol in a way that leads to such harm. Women definitely have different experiences with trauma, histories of sexual abuse, bullying, uh, career issues, problems in the workplace, sexual harassment, and they're important factors when we're looking at prevention. But it's something we need to be made aware of, something we need to think about. We need to curb the marketing on it. We, if you have a friend who has a problem, I have a friend that had a problem with drinking and you know she lost it on me so badly while she was completely smashed and she would get drunk repeatedly. And I think she was actually just so embarrassed. She could never apologize. Um, it was absolutely over nothing. I know that I'm, I'm not really blaming her, but nonetheless, never able to resolve that conflict. But, you know, because drinking is a big part of her life. Anyway, so it's hit most of us. Um, you can certainly relate to that um, with 80% of Canadians drinking. I'm sure you've had an experience with it. And I, um, there's AA, there's 12-step programs, reach out to a good therapist. There's lots of options for you, lots of intervention, um, folks who can come into your home and help, whatever. But it takes many times and, and it's certainly not something uh, easy to give up. But you know what? It will totally benefit your children and your family. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're in the final stroke of the program here. I wanted to read a little email. Dear M. I like that. Dear M, my husband cheated on me and I'm devastated. I don't like that. I'm frothing at the mouth with rage, anger, resentment, sadness, and disappointment. It has turned my world upside down. Why did he want her and not me is a question that plays on repeat in my head. He doesn't know that I know yet. I don't know where to go from here. Please help. Thank you. Messed up, Mary. This is a tough one. But, you know, infidelity is, yes, it can be 
the ultimate betrayal, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Affairs are tremendously traumatic. They threaten our emotional security. It's shocking that our partners would look at somebody else besides us for the rest of their lives. That's a little bit unrealistic, to be totally honest. But what is the affair about? You have to get down to that. And of course, at some point, Mary, messed up Mary, you're going to have to have a conversation with your partner because there may be some issues in the marriage. There may be some issues with your partner, with your husband. It may, you know, many men who uh, have indiscretions report that they, according to research, that they are in a happy marriage. It can be something about them, something that is missing inside of them or something that they are trying to figure out. This can be a time of reckoning. It can be a time of awakening. It can be a time of healing. And for some couples, it can lead to the construction of a new marriage out of the rubble or the demolition that may be your first marriage. And there, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I'm not going to say it's a very easy thing to do, but I would suggest getting a, a good therapist and, um, and talking it through and understanding, really getting to understanding. I hear so many marriages break up and it's like the number one reason, um, you know, for divorce. It's like, you cheated on me, you're out of here. They won't even look at the person. But really, there is a growing cohort of married people for whom infidelity is not a deal breaker. So if you love him and he likely loves you, I would suggest looking at the marriage, looking at what's wrong with the marriage and healing that. Self-care is critical in that as well and try not to blame yourself. But you know what? One of the reasons that infidelity occurs is because of sexless marriages. There was a study done or, or survey recently, the General Social Survey. It profiled American behavior that was gathered by the National Opinion Research Council at the University of Chicago since 1972. The, frac- the fraction of people getting it on at least once a week fell from 45% in the year 2000 to 36% in the year 2016. More than twice as many millennials were sexually inactive in their early 20s than the prior generation. What does that tell you? Hello, smartphone. Hello, not-so-smartphone. The, the sharpest drop was the most recent, and they were the years between 2014 and 2016, and it probably has fallen more since that time. But there are a number of indicators for this falling bunk rate. One of them is 4% fewer condoms were sold than the year before, and they fell again 3% in 2017. And it's not because people aren't practicing as much safe sex. Teen sex is down. That's monitored by the CDC. It's been on a downward trend since 1985. And the fertility rate, the frequency at which babies are born or added to the population, is at a level not seen since the Great Depression. We are in a sexualized society. The social stigma around premarital sex is gone. Hookups are not considered taboo. 
there's anyone can have sex with anyone. Sexuality is fluid. We have a number of forms of contraception that have root, have reduced the risk of serious physical consequences. There are so many things that have changed that have revolutionized women women's lives. The birth control pill, the Mirena, the intrauterine device, and now soon a medication for low sexual desire it will be available in Canada. These are game changers for women's sex lives. There are technology uh, apps like Tinder, help you find willing partners whenever. There's free online porn around the world. And as I mentioned, the Dr. Phil's, the Sildenafil, the Vardenafil, the Teldalafil, the Cialis, Levitra, and Viagra. And to overcome those limitations that many men have, there is so much talk and opportunity. There are more women in the workplace. There's sexting and texting and you can meet people online. There's inner lovers. Sex is as exhilarating. Sex hasn't changed. It's as amazing as it always was. But the slump is, doesn't seem to be uh, a, a mere blip in the research. The downward trend is very real. People are not going down anymore. The marriage age is up. People are living together a lot longer. Technology is entering the bedrooms of North Americans and Canadians in particular. When people are young and healthy and they have the, he- the highest sex drive, they are less likely to be living with a partner. So there's a larger proportion of people in their early 20s who are not having sex at all. More than 40% of Japanese people between the ages of 18 to 34 year old years old claim they are virgins. Think about that. People in their 20s and up to 34 never have never had sex or not having sex. There's desire discrepancy is a big issue and that I see in my clinical practice quite a bit. And married people with higher levels of education are the ones who are are the least likely to be sexually active. And which is why I have a clinical practice, which is why that TEDx talk has had 17 and a half million views in two years. Parents with kids younger than the age of six had the same amount of sex as their forebears had, but those with offspring in the age category of six to 17 were doing less of what made them parents. That means today's families are so child centric that people are leading the stress of modern parenting. You've heard of them. Helicopter parents, lawnmower parents, tent parents. There's so much parenting anxiety. And that actually grows or becomes an infection. It becomes generalized family anxiety. It's the people over the age of 60 that are having sex. (laughs) And everyone thinks sex ends as people get older. But the... You know, if you're having sex 10, 15, 20 times a year and it's amazing sex, it's fantastic. But so you don't want to use frequency as a meaningful measure for your sex life. But you want to think about that phone you're bringing into your bed, that iPad, that computer, that television, that child. All those things are impacting reasons for couples not having sex. And you know what? People have darn good reasons. They're exhausted. They're tired. They're unwell. They have too much to do. But you know what? All those factors you can change. And many people, many couples, they may or may not see 
less sex or not having sex as a problem. But it is a problem because there are risks to a sexless marriage, masturbation, chronic pornography or chronic masturbation, chronic pornography, loneliness, lack of intimacy, the risk of an indiscretion or somebody going outside of the marriage falling into the arms of somebody else. I can't tell you how many men have told me they were in a sexless marriage five years, eight years, seven years. I say, how do you do that? <laughs> and they, that they never cheated. And then when they finally cheat, that's when they turn up in my office. But it's like, what is it about you that tolerates this sexless marriage without saying anything or, or without knowing what words to find to say something? But it's not just women who have low sexual desire. It is not just men who are complaining that women don't want to have sex with them. Many men have low sexual desire as well. And I hear from women all the time. And you know what? It's so much more devastating when a woman is turned away by her husband, by her male partner. It is so much more heartbreaking because she thinks, what's wrong with me? Why don't you want to have sex with me? Why do you want to have sex with her? What is it about me that you don't want to have sex with? And so, you know, the, the urban myth out there is that all men want is sex. Well, that's not true. There are many men in relationships that do not want to have sex with their wives. And a woman said to me recently, what are the reasons men don't want to have sex with their wives? I didn't really want to answer her because I felt it was hurtful. And I started with depression and substance use, uh, substance use and abuse, medical conditions, uh, side effects of medications. And I listed a whole laundry list. And then finally I said, an infidelity. And she said, bingo, that's the one. And she had suspected that her husband had been cheating on her for a while. Um, so be careful of your marriage. It's something to be cherished. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.